You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Hello there, Star Wars fans. Welcome to Flying Casual, an all-Star Wars podcast. Uh, Holly, here at the table, it's our bi-monthly book club. Yes, that is correct. It is. We're still reading here in 2021. Can you believe it? No. Another year of reading. Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. Well, luckily, I read this book five years ago, uh, our, our, our book club book. I read this five years ago, Holly, when it first came out. And what I remember at the time... Uh, you know, half a decade ago, that it was must-read material before seeing uh, the movie Rogue One. In case anybody missed it, the book that we're discussing today... <laughs> I was allowing today, you to reveal the book. Oh, yeah. is Catalyst. You're welcome. A Rogue One novel. A Rogue One novel. So, Holly, I do remember this novel came out before Rogue One that was actually released, and it was uh, it was must-read content, in my opinion, before the movie... Um, came out, probably couldn't tell you much about the story now, five years later, but uh, was I right? I mean, is this is this something that you kind of wish you would have picked up before Rogue One? Um, I don't know that I necessarily wish that I would have picked it up before Rogue One, and part of that might be that the first, like, five times I watched Rogue One, I hated it. You did. Um, but I really love it now. But yeah. um, I think that there are a few points that the novel drives home that kind of answer a few questions that were in the movie and I think the biggest one for me um I don't know about you guys but it really explained to me why Krennic hates Lyra so much Mm, um I never understood that and I always thought like I mean he didn't want to hurt anybody except for Lyra and I was like that's very aggressive so now it all kind of makes sense based on everything that we saw happen in the novel yeah thank god Lyra kept crap together this entire time I mean, she was the rock of the family. But, like, yeah, as Holly mentioned, guys, we got our panel here. We got Dugan here. We got Nettie here and Paige here. A nice small book club. Sometimes that's the way to go uh, with book clubs. But, um, you know, maybe everyone else hates Rogue One, too, Holly, and they just didn't want to join. I'm not sure. Well, for the record, I don't hate it now. No, you don't. You actually just needed to finish the movie. I, I, I sat you down to watch the movie, and you watch it. Like, eh, it's not bad. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I, I like, have a big problem with falling asleep when I'm watching movies. I don't know. Like, I'll sit down and watch 12 hours of TV shows and be fine. But, like, when it comes to movies, I'm like, "Uh, 20 minutes, I'm out. Could be narcolepsy. We're not sure. Holly probably (laughs) actually shouldn't be driving. But, uh, Dugan, you you, you finished this book. Um, James Lucino, I think, is one of the best Star Wars authors. Unfortunately, he hasn't been so prevalent in new canon stuff but some of those older stuff is great too but what he's been throwing down all so far in new canon has been great to me what what did you think of catalyst no so that's i did not know that this actually got released before the movie so yeah. i wish i did know that i wish i would have read that it would have been a great obviously great uh background yeah. um in, in addition to seeing like kind of like one of my like top i i, I really enjoyed the book as well um Krennic's just like so manipulative. He's such like a good villain, um, like a great character. Uh, but honestly, like Galen is like just like a turd to me. Sometimes. Yes. Like he just like kind of sucks. And like, how can you be this blind to all this stuff? Sometimes? I don't know. But yeah, we'll talk about it. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. 
Yeah. I uh, 100% agree with that because I used to make jokes about how, like, yeah, Galen had his flaws, but at least he, like, really loved his daughter. He's, yeah. like, a better dad in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. And after I read Catalyst, Boy. I was like, Galen, seriously? I am you, so disappointed. You may, you may have given him too much credit a little too soon because there's not a lot of great Star Wars dads. No, there's not. But, uh, Nettie, how about you? Uh, you enjoy this one? Yeah, say I definitely enjoyed this one. Say, um, at the risk of making Paige angry and some of our other fans, Vogue One <laughs> has never been one of my favorite Star Wars movies or of like the Disney era. Um, I wouldn't say I hated it like Holly <laughs> used to, but um, it was never my favorite. It just didn't click with me yeah. at the same level. I think it did a lot of people. Um, I think part of that is just the characters didn't, to me develop enough that I wanted and I know some people are like that's the best part of the movie I guess just for me it didn't click so reading things like um, Rebel Rising and now Catalyst uh, it's definitely given me a lot more appreciation for that movie because I have so much more feeling and understanding for those characters Um, I mean Lyra's a complete and awesome character and she has what like three lines in the movie so I definitely think um these movies, all these books have given me a great new appreciation for that movie, and I definitely need to rewatch it now with that new mind, uh, mindset. Yeah, like, you're not wrong. Like, Lyra is awesome in this story, and now you know why she stuck up for her family in the end. It was like, I'm taking Krennic out with this blaster. When she could have just stayed back, she could have just been there for Jen, but said, no, my husband needs me. He needs me now more than ever, and it's time to t- put it in my own hands. Holly, I mean... I mean, 100%. And also, like... He was going to take her out no matter what. And we know that now after reading this. Troublesome as ever. At least she went down fighting. She did. She did. Love her. Paige, uh, thank God there's, you know, someone else on this podcast that enjoyed Rogue One from the very beginning. Um, I think Dugan did too as well. But did did this add a little flavor to the story as well? Yeah. uh, I didn't read this before seeing Rogue One either. So uh, I got this late in the game, but... uh I also liked getting the backstory on the Ursos because obviously we didn't get enough of them in the movie. Um, Lyra is my favorite part in the entire book um, because I I relate to her a lot because I too am like hard to control and um, I can't keep my tongue in my mouth and quiet when I'm around (laughs) pretentious assholes who are also like in love with my husband. Um, It's fine. Um, And I love how fierce she is and how unafraid she is to speak her mind. Um, And I think that's important to see that kind of female representation in Star Wars. Um, I also like that we see um, Galen being kind of the easy to trick kind of hapless scientist for once. It's kind of, it's kind of, I mean, it kind of fits Mads Mikkelsen playing the character because he literally had no idea he was even really um, on a Star Wars set the whole time. So it's fine. Um, I'll stand out in this field of grass. That's cool. Look look around. It's great. He had no clue. So um, no, I liked it. I liked how petty everything was. It felt completely on par with how the empire was. I thought everything about it was great and added to the canon. So, yeah, Yeah. I think we're going to get to some, some good juicy stuff, but Holly, I kind of want to start with what Dugan mentioned, because when you watch rogue one and you see Galen making these sacrifices, right. And you find out he set this trap and, and this is his way of getting back. And he, he really hopes his daughter's out there and that she's, you know, well, and, and he loves her so much. I actually, while watching Rogue One in the theater, that moment with Jen watching the hologram, 
started tearing up and my eyes just started swelling up and that moment was to me it was such a fantastic moment so going into this book i'm like galen is gonna be a badass like we're gonna find out a little more about what he's been up to but boy i felt a little let down but then you have lyra really kind of shining in this book uh, with also some great tarkin and krennic uh, uh bullshitting which we'll get to in a little bit but dugan what let's talk a little more about that were you a little shocked too to find out that maybe galen wasn't the best guy yeah, but no, actually, that's interesting that you said about when Lyra shot Galen or went to go shoot Galen because when we had book club in April, honestly, I kind of had I went like a one eighty yeah. because I used to think like, why, why the hell didn't you just get out of exactly. there? Why didn't you leave? Um, but there is that so much more backstory to it, and realizing that there is no leaving. Yeah, like you're gonna you have to either kill him or you're gonna and or you know what happened exactly. Um, but no, you just yeah no, he always Galen throughout just seemed rather. Kind of like hatless, kind of kind of like bumbling around, but not because he's just like so intelligent yeah. that he's just not able to comprehend what is going on around him. Really, um, yeah, I don't know. I he, and then he really wasn't. And you see the hologram, you know, in Rogue One, but he really wasn't that present of a father. Yeah, um, since he was working so much, um, he. And, and I mean, he when he does escape towards the end, but and he just seemed. Easily tricked, uh, and just kind of not that great of a character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I call you were let down. I was let down because just like Dugan just said, I was like he's so absent throughout basically the entirety of his marriage to his wife. He's like, I mean, there are moments in the novel where Lyra will like reflect on their time in university and how like it was very odd of them to get together, but he was really wrapped up in like school and his clubs and his research. And that just like continued. So she kind of knew what he was getting into, but then they decided they were going to have this child. And you would kind of think that even if maybe your husband isn't always like so involved in what you're doing as a spouse, they would be more involved with your child's life. And there were moments in the novel where you're seeing it through Galen's perspective and he realizes that he's like I don't really know my daughter and you know he has a weird moment with her when they're in their fancy apartment on Coruscant where he kind of like hugs her and tells her that he loves her and she's like what three years old and she's like what is going on here and like that's not a usual interaction for them and so I, I did find it kind of sad that he noticed this but he just like doesn't know how to connect with people. Yeah. And so he kind of just like gave up on it and threw himself into his research. Well, and that, that was one of the big moments in, in the movie where he says, I, I lied. I made everyone think that I was just a man lost in his work. He was that man that I did not, I did not really see the story going that way of like him being like, I, I kind of thought maybe he would, you know, put on a front again, but like he was invested in the work and he may have been manipulated as to what the income, like the out, would be of all of his research but still was not this great person that i had in my mind that the movie really set us up to think so i I, anyone else have any any criticisms or or maybe some redeeming qualities of galen i mean i think that i think he's so smart that he's not used to normal human interactions which is not an excuse but i also think that Chronic is so good at. I was watching. I was literally watching the Jack earlier today, so I'm so sorry. But like, just the whole manipulative 
mindset where he can pick apart those specific things in a person to get them to be instantly loyal to them. And that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. So of course, Galen's going to focus on his work that matters to him and trying to better everything because he thinks it's going to help everybody. When at at the end of everything, Krennic's actually doing it for his own selfish means. So I think that he was just kind of, yeah, he's hapless and he doesn't really think outside of himself. But I think he also was just trying to do something for the greater good, which is a terrible reason to do something. But that's something that Lyra was also very into because she was Mm -hmm. so into nature and um, focusing on like Jedi ideals and all of those things, which was so cool. And I wish they would have focused on more in the movie. Um, But they also talked about the crystals talking to him. Yeah. Which was, I thought was, I was like, "Mm -hmm." it was very weird for me. So I don't know if he also got kind of like entranced in the whole thing. And then it, like he couldn't get out of it, but I think it took, Krennic literally threatening Lyra to his face for him to be like, oh, yeah, actually, this is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it- taking his family away from actually taking something that he actually does care about that is tangible and can be taken away, not this, like, s- silly idea for a laser with a pew-pew. Yeah. That is the thing that took for him to realize, oh, this guy's just blowing smoke up my ass. Yeah. He's my friend. He's not really. He's just obsessed with me and wants me for himself to better himself. Yeah. So he's not a great person, but there's not great people in the real world either. So I think he's just yeah. an entity that just exists. I think he's just there. Well, he just stands there to look pretty. And there's a lot like, to what, <laughs> like what you so much good stuff of what you said. And you're right. Like, what he was doing, he really thought it was for the... He thought he was breaking barriers that could be... I can't exactly remember what... Was it like a clean energy kind of thing or that could be... Yeah, yeah something yeah, kind of yeah. like that that he yeah. thought would be great for society. But I, you're right. It took the threatening of his very own family to kind of snap him out of this and be like, I'm just a tool <laughs> like to these to these these people who have their own end game in mind and... It makes you feel a little bad for him because he was trying to do the right thing, right, Holly? But it yeah. just was a little blinded to what really mattered. He just had to get on that farm, that homestead, right, and just till the <laughs> ground for a while to really get back to zero. I love that homestead. I live for it. That's the best opening in Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Minus it's, the shooting of. Well, yeah. Okay. The, yeah, the death in the beginning. But it's one of the best openings in all of Star Wars anyway. But, uh, Nettie, what really stuck out for you? I mean, maybe weren't, you know, crazy about the movie, but but is there anything specifically that added some good context that you, you really appreciated that maybe made you look at the story in a different light? Yeah, see, definitely. Oh, real quick before we move on yeah. from Galen, too, I just want to say, like, that moment in um, that Holly was referring to when he kind of goes up to Jen and, like, realizes that, like, he barely knows her, and like gives her the hug and says like I love you Stardust and everything. I think that was like the most emotional moment for me because uh, speaking for myself, obviously you know I don't have any kids or anything, but I think a lot of people can relate to the idea of being so invested in work or volunteering to something, just getting invested into something that you do kind of lose those connections that you need until it is too late. Yeah. Um, 
And luckily, I guess he had however long they were at the homestead there to have some more of that connection there. But I definitely felt like that moment was really powerful just because of that. And, you know, putting aside how stupid he was to get to that point in the first place, um, I thought that was really well written. Um, in terms of the other stuff the book added as a whole, I did think um, just the way Lyra talked about the Force was really yeah. interesting. And that kind of goes along with like the Kyber Crystal lore they added too about like the crystals being alive, but just like the way she was like, yeah, I can't use the force. I'm not a Jedi, but I can feel it everywhere. I thought Let's that was go. a really, really cool interpretation. And I really enjoyed that. God, we need more conservationists in star Wars. Okay. I don't know. Listen. Cause it's, it's <laughs> this, I'm so glad we're talking about this because this story is terrific. I love what Nettie was saying, Holly, about, you know, even though he's some master scientist in a galaxy that doesn't exist, they've made him very relatable to just your everyday person who, even if you're working at home on a computer, can get lost in this world that you spend the majority of your time in when your family is just in the next door over and you may be, you know, not getting that quality time that you well, really need. Well, and the need. guilt that yeah, exactly. comes from that too. Yeah. I think, Nettie, you're absolutely right. We all can relate to that, whether it's like, not spending as much time with your friends or like, oh my God, I should have taken the dog out two hours ago yeah. and I've been stuck responding to emails and yeah. like, or, you know, kids, spouses, family, whatever it yeah. would be. Um, I do think that, I guess something I did appreciate about this book that kind of everyone's been touching on already is just like how real some of the interactions in the story are. Like Paige said, I, Galen's just like anybody else out there in the world, you know? Yeah. Some people are just kind of like in that middle, you know? Mm -hmm. They're just trying to get by and do what they need to do for their family, and I think that everybody can relate to that. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be some huge hero all the time, you know? Not everybody is. Yeah. So I do think there were a lot of really genuine moments in this book. Um, but back to Lyra yeah. and how she was talking about the Force and – I love how you get Galen who has this very just like one track mind, but Lyra is always thinking about the next thing, how it affects other planets, how it affects more people. And she's just like really thinking outside of the box. Mm -hmm. And also I remember when I got to, um, when Krennic sends her on her <laughs> research mission and her and her friend are, our colleague are taking all these notes about like the different planets, the legacy planets that are supposed to be protected and how they're not, that got me worked up because that's how I feel about everything that's been going on with like all the different pipelines and drilling in the Arctic and mm -hmm. things like that. You know, we're supposed to protect these places and people tell you that they are protected, but they're not. Yeah. And I just remember putting the book down and looking at Michael and being like, I didn't know that Lyra was such an environmentalist. Yeah. And I mm -hmm. loved that. And you know, credit to the the writers of the, the Rogue One movie who – Throw in this little nugget. In the few seconds that you have with Lyra, you know she's there to protect her family. You know there's bad blood between Krennic. That's obvious. But to throw a moment of her giving her daughter a kyber crystal necklace and mm -hmm. saying, trust the Force, my mind was blown. And then she dies. I'm like, what the hell does she have to do with the Force? I need more of that. Props to those writers for throwing that little nugget in there and allowing, and James Lucino picking that up and running with it. I loved it. So they were originally going to make her, because I, I have like 
all of like the art books and I have like the visual guides and all. I was going through the Rogue One one last night. They were originally going to make her actually a Jedi and they thought it would be better to have her be just a regular person and show how regular people in the Star Wars universe can relate to the Force, which I thought was a way better move. Absolutely. Um, So I think that was way more interesting than having... And I mean, that's why I like Rogue One so much, because it's regular people instead of as much as I love the the Jedi, it gets pretty annoying with everyone having the fours and like a laser sword. And it's interesting to see how religion is in a completely different space situation. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, 100 percent. Also, I guess that like something that I think about a lot is I think that there was going to be an alternate ending to Rogue One mm-hmm. where Jen and Cassian didn't die. Yeah. Sure was. And there's footage. Well, yeah. so it kind of makes me just like wonder how much Lyra was right about like the capability or I guess Lyra and Galen both about the capabilities of like what or like what the kyber crystals are able to do with the people that they connect to. Mm-hmm. And how they may or may not, like, protect people. I don't know. I just I just feel like we kind of talked a little bit earlier about how Galen was, like, hearing the kyber crystals talking to him. And it kind of made me feel like at first, like, he's, like, literally going crazy. Like, his work mm-hmm. is driving him to insanity. But then, like, we don't know that much about how kyber crystals respond to people that are respecting them who aren't Jedi. Yeah. So it just kind of made me wonder, like... I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe there's a chance that I know that they're truly don't dead. But like, just like, what stop. if? Just no, that's, what if? That's the first thing I, I thought know. after walking yeah. out of the theater. I said, because I knew a little bit of the history of the Kyber crystals. I said they tend to protect themselves, and those maybe that they're are utilizing them. And I'm like, she had the necklace on. Her and Cassian are hugging. It formed a protective <laughs> shield around them, and they both survived the blast. I tend to think that that's canon at least in my headspace, <laughs> rent-free, if that's how the Same. kids are saying it. Um, yeah, but it's living rent-free. Exactly. So it's been for five <laughs> years now, so it's still yep. there. I still have no reason to believe that they're not bringing them back, so uh, that's that's just there. Anything else about Lyra? Because I, I, she really did stick I mean, out in the story. Guys, there's tons of stuff about Lyra. I could talk about Lyra for five hours. What else, what else you got? Any, anything else specifically? I mean... I don't know. I just, I like how, I think her and Galen being together is so interesting because she, she wants to just call people out all the time, but then she's with this person who's so reserved and so afraid of calling out authority. And in that last scene, I was like frustrated because I had already read it and I was like, I was like, why aren't you calling him out more? And then I realized, oh, that's right. Because like, they're like trying to get away without him and tipping him off. But yeah. I was like, you could call him out a lot more. I think it's fair. You can be like, you know, you literally threatened me and my child outside. Like, yeah. it's a thing. You threatened me. And then, like, I had to leave. Like, that's a thing you did. I would have called him out so, so hard. Yeah. Like, I would have written down every single thing that little skunk did, and I would have had a list. <laughs> like, I just... I feel like she could have popped off so much more and she has so much patience. I just don't understand how that's possible and how they stayed together that long because 
It's exactly and, right. And then he said that. Then he like he like said something about her being a mom, and I was like, like criticizing her for being a mother and stepping back and all this stuff, and Galen being the person who was bringing in. Like, I just wish she would have popped off a little more. That's just my opinion. That's wow, they're, they're that. As silly as it sounds, they're exactly the right people that they needed to be in this moment of the galaxy, right? Like, she uh-huh. needed to be his kind of rock. Even he was this kind of guy who had to go with the flow. And even after realizing what was going on, he needed to maintain that kind of helpless, like, I need my job, like, kind of persona. She couldn't, though, at the end. She was true to herself, right? Like, she couldn't. Yeah. She said, like, I love whoever said it in there, and I think Dugan may have said it, like, it was this way or they were dead. Like, they had to get yeah. rid of Krennic, and this book shows that, or they would never have a life. I mean, they escaped, and he found them again. Like, it, it was, and so in the end, she was true to herself, and, and then, you know, maybe Galen kind of realized he, he needed to be a different person, obviously, but uh, I don't know. I feel so bad for it, but they, they are who they needed to be in those moments. But also, let's bring in the, a little bit of just the what was happening around them, too, right? You've got... You've got Krennic manipulating this poor guy, putting them in situations where, like, you know, they think that they're helping planets. They're not really. And then you also have Tarkin manipulating Krennic. Like, it's this big power game. And and it's also interesting because that's kind of how our world works, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just kind of their pawns in all of this. And and, and their way of sticking up, we we see in Rogue One and, and Lyra's sacrifice and all that. But, like, they had all these external things going on around them and i thought it was a little fascinating because when i found out this rogue one movie was happening and it was going to involve the death star i'm like tarkin has to be in this movie i never thought they would do what they did i thought we would get that reflection in the glass and that was it but i'm like tarkin has to it's his it's his weapon he he takes control of it um but i thought they did a great job of creating this krennic character um so he could be even a little more little more gross, a little more manipulative than, than Tarkin ever would need to be um, desperate, so to speak. I feel like Dugan's got some stuff to Come say. Come on, Dugan. Let's get, let's <laughs> He's get, ready. He's let's fired get up. It out. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. no I, like, going off of that, though, like, like, talking about, like, the external stuff. Yeah. That's probably one of the most interesting things that I liked about this book is, like, the very early, like, Republic to Empire. Yeah. And, like, getting, like, that view and thinking about it like okay like in republic days like celestial power power could have been like a real thing yeah maybe you know and so then maybe like galen it wouldn't be he wouldn't have been so naive to think that yeah um and then the way that they used what was it like Haas obit i don't know how yes. you guys thought his name was yeah. pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's how it was um, pronounced so like yeah they, okay and mm-hmm. how like uh they used him as a ploy to get around the legacy world regulations <sighs> yeah and so like how there's still were this framework but then how the empire is like slowly chipping away at it and then how and then even towards like the end of the book more and more it doesn't feel as re- even like republic more you know we're, we're full-fledged empire yeah it's it, 
this it, I, this is the stuff. This is the time period that I love. It's it's the stuff that we're getting a little mm-hmm. bit in the Bad Batch. We've got this Cassie and Andor show coming up, and I'm just like, give me everything that's happening in Catalyst yeah. on film. I want to see uh, it. Nettie, I want a Catalyst show so bad, so bad, right? So and I think they can bad. do that in a lot of this Andor stuff, and and kind of show both sides of what's going yep. on, the manipulation going, and and the sacrifice that Cassian and friends are making. But Nettie, did this add some context that you? think this 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 world maybe not world building but the extra context and contents that we're going to get for this time period did, did that do a, a satisfying job yeah i definitely think it did a lot, really good job with all of that i was like i don't know why i didn't expect it but i didn't expect it to start like at the beginning of the clone wars yeah. like that mm-hmm. i mean Same. it makes sense yeah. and like they set it up beautifully because i mean you know you see in attack of the clones you see poggle the lesser give like Dooku the plans, yeah. uh-huh. and then I th- think in Revenge of the Sith, you see Palpatine looking at the plans at some point. I yeah. might be wrong on mm-hmm. that. So like you know that like you know the Republic has them kind of because of that. But I never put together that like the Death Star was started to be built under the Republic. Yeah. So that was fascinating to me. Um, mm-hmm. and then I also really liked you kind of got to see to the Clone Wars from like a civilian perspective. Yep, and. We get that a little bit in, like, the Clone Wars, but usually it's, hey, the wall came to the planet, you yeah. got to fight, yeah, and not kind of just, uh, this is going off out in the galaxy, this is, like, the privileged area, while this is fighting going on. So that was kind of interesting to me to kind of see that additional side of things. And then, again, seeing some of that transition into the Empire, like you were saying, was definitely really, really well done, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. And Nettie, I don't mean to be a creep here, but I did see on my news feed today you quoting a part of the book. What was it that stuck out to stuck out to you about that? Yeah, that was more me being annoyed because um, I studied <laughs> math a little bit in undergrad, and that quote just resonated with me because a lot of that quote is basically talking about how like mathematics is like the fabric of reality and like it's basically just our understanding of it and that's kind of how I view it I had a teacher I went to a Catholic high school so religion classes and everything but I had a math teacher there that she made a comment once that was God speaks math and that quote really stuck with me and that the passage in the book kind of resonated with me on that and brought that feeling back so that's kind of why I quoted and I just thought it was a really really cool way to look at things that's freaking awesome holly do you think if we were in a galaxy a long long time ago we could have replaced galen or so with netty here and he would have been that genius that's (laughs) breaking (laughs) barriers and would that was that what would have happened i think the only difference that i would see is that i think that netty would be a little more perceptive he is such a better heart too (laughs) such a better guy Heart I'll tell of gold. You, I got the social ineptitude of Galen down. I got that quote down. <laughs> I'm not sure about the mathematics yet, but you know, I, I, I disagree. I was just telling my family that earlier. We were trying to make plans to go home and see my family, and I told my aunt, I was like, "Don't worry, we've literally been hermits ever since Seriously. the pandemic started, and now things are opening back up." And I feel like I'm just like holing myself into my house. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
I don't know that my social skills are all there anymore. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Paige, how about for you? Like outside of Galen and, and Lyra, what what about this time period? Is there some good stuff that you took away that you were like, like like Nettie, I was the same way. I was like, I didn't think we were going, this was that far of a prequel back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we were going to get a little more of kind of like the Rebel Rising feel that we got. But, uh, but anything you pulled out of here that really stuck with you? Uh, I mean, I liked that it showed that it was just as messy as the regular Republic wasn't this, like, ideal situation that Palpatine claims it was. Um, I mean, it showed that they have no clue what they're doing. I like that. um, I mean, I really like, as much as I hate Tar, uh, not Tarkin, um, Krennic, I liked that it showed that these people are so power-hungry and crazy that they're just able to assume all of this s- status in the power vacuum. Yeah. He was, because at the beginning he was like, I'm going to move up all of these rows. And then, I mean, he's not necessarily qualified to do that because he like literally worked on the building. Yeah. But then he does it. Yeah. Literally by manipulating people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, why? Like why? He's... Because he's good with talking. Yeah, he he seems like in in the in the in the Rogue One movie, like he's just kind of kind of a wimpy guy, but like he is he is he's just as good as Tarkin is actually. Like he has really worked. Tarkin has his own you know special skills. Krennic does. I love a lot of it was uh, 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 Mendelssohn too playing him mm-hmm. was phenomenal. I want to mm-hmm. see him more. I want to see him in the Andor mm-hmm. series. Like bring him allegedly, back. Allegedly, he's in the Andor. Series. I know. I've been oh, seeing the Twitter feeds, and I'm allegedly. like, please. I, I don't like to believe rumors, but that one I'm, I'm going to jump off with. I know. Uh, Holly, how about you? Like, like, like you know, like, like, um, like Nettie. It wasn't your favorite, you know movie but did this add some good context outside of our main characters for you to kind of understand that world a little more in this this changing time period of republic and empire like is there anything that really stuck out to you um yeah i actually wrote down the other thing that i wanted to bring up that really stood out to me we've kind of talked about a little bit but this competition between Tarkin and Mm -hmm. Krennic. I just, oh my God, they were like two children fighting for their parents' attention and I need to get more praise. No, I need to get more praise. And ultimately, like, while they were busy doing that, other things were happening that were slipping out Mm -hmm. of their control. And I actually, I loved it. I thought it was so funny. Like, they thought that each one was going to get the best of the other and then Haas Obit is like, Playing both of them, yeah, and then getting Galen and Lyra out of this terrible situation, and it's just like if they had been paying more attention, none of that would have gone the way it went, and they did it, and they did it to themselves because they are just men with too much pride, and they just don't have any. I guess they just can't be humbled. Well, it was this. It was this time period, this opportunity, this change. We talk about power vacuums all the time. This time period of like gangsters and all this and that, but like these people who saw an opportunity of wow, Palpatine is purging his cabinets. He's you know forming this powerful entity here's my opportunity to seek this power that i couldn't in my prior life and and getting the good graces of this guy and hey 
if there's a social ladder there in the Empire, people are jumping on it, you know, especially yeah. when they have super weapons uh, that could threaten your planet. So, so it's a it's a great opportunity for some. And Krennic is just one of those guys that's just, oh, what a great God. character. I know, I know. I know. Paige hates it, but, like, he's so I good. hate him so much. I mean, he's great, but he, I hate him. I hate him so much. He's not a good guy. He's a great villain, though. Not a he's good guy. He's so annoying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so annoying. Holly, what else? Um, I was. I wanted to touch base with Andy. Andy, I know you got to jump out of here in a a couple of minutes, so I just wanted to see if there was anything else that you had written down that you wanted to touch on. I wanted to make sure we got all your points just in case. No, I think you did. What actually? So I'll throw in a little other things. Right now, I've been reading the the canon Thrawn books, and right now I'm on Thrawn Treason, and uh, that has Krennic in it. And then just to show, like, talking about the competition going on at the time. And then, so then, not only do you have Krennic and Tarkin, but then you really also have Thrawn and his TIE Fighter project going on, and everyone is all vying for it. And then, you just honestly, and and just how removed the Emperor is from everything, but then how much he controls everything. Yeah, he doesn't care. um, He's just like, whatever, I'll be over here. Yeah. 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 Well, and then like he know he just puts the people in place to do it. like with, with Krennic, he's just like the the perfect villain. He he just does exactly what needs to be done. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. It's yeah. it's all of these villains with their egos too big and then just wanting to have all the control, so pitting everybody else against each other for your attention. Mm-hmm. Just to get like the project manager title. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess that's. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. true to life. I guess. I I also love the lack of Darth Vader here. I th- yeah. I felt like you know everyone they want to throw Vader and everything. They threw him in Rogue One. He had nothing to do with Death Star. Like he had nothing to do with it. Like he he didn't even know it. We see in Vader comics, he had no idea that this thing was even going. It's something the Palpatine was keeping kind of hidden from him. So I love that they stayed true to that, yeah. and they're not just throwing him in for the sake of Vader's and everything. I love that it's mm-hmm. we're showing think, that there's other powerful people out there. Yeah, I think they alluded to him once or twice as like and some, he didn't care or something. He was like, I don't care about this. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. I, yeah, and somebody brought it up to him as like Palpatine new I don't know mysterious Buddy. person or yeah. something and I think you are led to assume it's Darth Vader but they never actually say it absolutely I mean yeah and that stays true to a new hope he's just like this little toy of yours mm-hmm. pales in comparison to the force <laughs> right I didn't get the quote there exactly it, but that was good though yeah, it was pretty you. close thank you, thank you. <laughs> But yeah, anything else, Duke? We can let you go if you need to head out. Anything else? No, that's great. No, that's perfect timing. All right. All right, I'll buddy. See you guys here soon. You're Bye, the best, Duke. May the force be with you. And you as well, my friend. So, Holly, it was this is a good book, right? Like we did not waste our time on okay. this one. So, I'm not going to lie to you guys. When I first started reading this, I think oh, I read I five pages yeah. and I put it down and Michael mm-hmm. was like, are you done reading? And I was like... <laughs> Mind you, I, that's a legitimate question <laughs> after five minutes of reading because that's how quick Holly reads books. <laughs> well, and I just like... I told him, I said, I think I might have made a mistake picking this book. Yeah. I just like... Yeah. That sounds terrible. This is a Star Wars podcast. Yeah. We all love Star Wars here. I picked the books for the book club. Yeah. I picked this one. I've realized that I have really um, 
switched the order yeah. of all the Rogue One books that we were reading, but I didn't think we'd be reading this many Rogue One books in a row, but yep. I'm glad that we are. It's great. Great. Call. I just had such a hard time getting into this book because everything was just so like technical in yep. the beginning. And I was like, I don't have any interest in this. What did I get myself into? But then Michael was like, why don't you just give it some more chapters? Yeah. I think that you'll really like it. I remember really liking this book. And so then I started to really get into it. Well, because when Holly told me after reading five pages that she really wasn't feeling this one, I just had a flashback to five years ago on the Rebel Watch podcast of me gushing over this novel right before the premiere and saying, you must read it. It's amazing. And then being like, was I mistaken? Was I naive half a decade ago? Is Holly just, maybe I just play off and say, yeah, the, the book's shit. I, what do you want me to say, Holly? But I loved it, and I'm glad like it, it took a bit. But here's the thing about James Lucino. He can be technical in his writing and stuff, but it's nothing like Timothy Zahn. Timothy Zahn is technical to a fault often, and I wish I would have given Dugan a little bit of a heads up that Thrawn's about to go in a completely different direction than reading trees, and then he thinks it's going... And then the following books do as well. They kind of aren't great, which I hate saying that because I love Timothy Zahn. And I know that's like, exactly. It's like sacrilege. Like, it's just like you're damning Christ to hell. Okay. No, but, go for it. I love it. But I it's, love for the drama. It's just like, I don't know. These last books have not been great. Like, I think we've tapped out Thrawn. At least, you know, Timothy Zahn mm -hmm. maybe has. Okay. But anyway. Okay. Thank so you. I, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I have a question. Sorry, yeah. Holly. I think. Okay, so this is the first and only James Lucino book that I've ever read. Okay. I think that in the Facebook group, Nettie posed a question yeah. that was something along the lines of, Nettie, you can correct me if I'm getting this wrong. If you could pick any author to write a Star Wars book, who would it be and why? Mm -hmm. And I think you picked, you had James Lucino writing another fantasy novel in your mind. What was that? Yeah, so the... um. I think the only two books of Lucino's I've read are this and then the Legends Plagueis book. Yeah. And I'm going to agree with Michael. Lucino, like, I really enjoy his writing, but he does get really, like, technical and warty at times. And yeah. it can be hard to stay invested with that. I think if you can get past that, he's a really, really good author. Um, what I had pitched in that was kind of sticking with that Plagueis idea. I think he could do a really good job with Snoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because... Like, both this novel and that Plagueis novel take place basically around events that we know, the movies. They tie into that so beautifully. Absolutely. Um, like, slight spoilers for the Plagueis novel, but there's like a moment, if you remember in Phantom Menace, there's a scene with Palpatine and Darth Maul on Coruscant. It's like when he's sending Maul to Tatooine, mm -hmm. and they're just having a conversation. It's like the only time Maul speaks. And, like, in the novel, Plagueis is, like, watching that scene, and, like, it actually, like, has meaning to, like, the story. And... Just the way he weaves that in, I think, is really well done. And I think he could do that really well with Snoke yeah. um, and show how he can manipulate Ben. Again, going to how he wrote Krennic. Um, Krennic's a master manipulator. And I know we know Snoke now is basically either Palpatine or like a vessel for Palpatine, whatever he actually is. And Palpatine's a manipulator too. So just showing that manipulation of Ben, I think he could do a really good job with that. And the way I read, oh, I see Force Awakens when Leia's talking with Han, it sounds like they know who Snoke is yeah. outside of just the leader of this enemy organization. And then um, in that Kylo Ren comic, it sound, they referenced that like Luke and Snoke had had interactions. So yeah. I just 
when they want to do flesh out Snoke more, I think he would be the perfect author to be able to kind of weave that all together. Nettie, yeah. a thousand percent. Because you are so right. This uh, Catalyst is another great example. He does do a great job of adding good context to existing canon material like the movies, and which is not easy to do. Weaving in moments within moments of the movie, and it matters, and it works. And you're right, because one of my favorite parts of the Plagueis novel is the end where where Palpatine is essentially torturing him to death and enjoying every aspect of it. That dialogue, I freaking love it. And it, it blends right into what you would expect with Snoke and the manipulation of Ben. It could be beautiful. I actually think James Lucina could write television, but maybe that's just me. I think he could write a really good Ben Solo novel too, because I exactly. think he's really good at human interaction. I really yeah. do. I think it's really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I also... I don't say this very often about male writers, but I really like the way that he wrote Lyra in this yep. book. And I think that yep. I think that he could do a really good job with writing not only just like human relations, but like the women in Star Wars and their relations to other characters and the other men in Star Wars. Because yeah. I feel like that's something that's kind of a little bit superficial in the movies. Yeah. Yes. And I think that he could really flesh out some of those other things that are going on like behind the scenes which would be good because Michael you're right something that I really appreciate in this novel that James Lucino did is he gave you more of that context for Rogue One but it wasn't like in your face yeah he took his time building these details and writing them very delicately into dialogue and into you know little scenes here and there that you would remember mm-hmm and then it kind of accumulates throughout the novel. Yeah. It's not like, there's not like one line where he's just like, Krennic and Lyra had a terrible relationship and hated each other so much. Yeah. Like, he builds it from start to end, yeah. and it really, like, you feel everything as you're reading it, and it, it like, just, like, escalates. And it makes sense. Like, yeah. it isn't just him just for the sake of filling in time before Rogue One. It's like, it makes sense, even though... From the start, like some of you guys said, was not expecting to start where we did. But I'm like, it makes so much sense for where we are in Rogue One, like to go back this far and see the manipulation from day one, uh, even with the Republic. I, I thought that was amazing. So mm-hmm. I, more James Lucino, please. I mean, yeah. He wrote the Tarkin novel, which could be another interesting read for he, for the book. Club. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, I think we could read that. Yeah. I think that would be a really good Or we read. could read the Rogue One novelization just to finish <laughs> out the time period. But anyway. I'm just saying, if you want full context of Rogue One, I'm, just, I'm not... Hey. Not I, a bad idea. Since we're here, good. we might as well finish If it. you guys aren't... It messed me up. It's good. It's really good. I'm not being biased, but it's really good. Fair. If you guys aren't Rogue One out... Rogue one out? I liked Rogued One. Rogued One out. That was good. Okay. That sounds dirty. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, James Lucino. <laughs> thank you. Also, James Lucino wrote an ebook called Darth Maul Saboteur. So I never read no. that one. Is that, is that like a canon book or is that like. Not anymore. Oh. I think they, they also in the books will include the, even the legends. Any Star Wars contributions they've had, they'll list them. Oh. But I don't yeah. think that one is. Well, because I'll I'm going to gonna, check it out I'm gonna wait for Nettie to fact check you. Check. He it sounds kind of saucy. He is right now. I know. 
But it does. <laughs> it, it, I don't think if it is, it's a comic book or something. That, but I don't think he's really written any comics. Oh, well, I don't know. It just said it was an ebook. I don't know. Sometimes I try to get books on my Kindle, and I have to go to the library and get the paperback because That's it's fair. not offered us an ebook. That's so fair. So I thought maybe there were books that were only ebooks. Give me the ebook. It's totally Give possible. Give me the ebook. Save me some trees. Well, yeah, why did you like see? It is legends. It is, it is. legends. And okay. I love that you said yeah. that in a condescending manner, Holly. I know. know you're and I was just praising Vera. What do you mean yeah. he wrote Young Indiana Jones? I'm into that a thousand percent. <laughs> so he has written a lot. And yes, yeah. Yeah, he's been. We should check him out on Twitter and see if he's got a Twitter. If he, we should, we he's should, we should Wars. at James Lucino. Probably, probably Yo, done with Star Wars. When's the next Star Wars novel coming out, bro? Yeah. Well, Holly, is there anything else about Catalyst that really stuck out to you that it's like, like you just have to talk about? Yeah, there's one more thing, guys. This is the last thing that I had on my list of things I wanted to bring up. This is just something that kind of surprised me. So, watching. Rogue One, and then reading Rebel Rising, I had this idea in my head that the Ursos and Saw Gerrera kind of went, like, way back, like, way, way back. And then I find out in Catalyst that they meet for the first time when Mm -hmm. Haas Obit hires Saw to pick up Galen and Lyra and take them off Coruscant. Mm -hmm. And that was so surprising to me because I feel like that wasn't enough time for, like, what was it? Only like a couple of years later is when he takes Jin, right? Maybe my timeline's yeah. wrong, but I feel like they haven't known each other for long enough to suddenly trust your daughter to this person. Yeah, yeah but here's the thing: I am a person who goes off of vibes, and I feel like Lyra would also go off of vibes. Yeah. So, like, if I can tell if someone i'm not saying saw Guerrero is a trustworthy person <laughs> i'm not saying that i don't think he is um i've made that very clear but if they think he's someone that they can trust and is on their side of things and they know him pretty decently enough and i mean if that's their only option for their kid i think it's kind of reasonable i mean at least if they're like in a dangerous situation and he like they saw i mean Look, the Hooper space thing with Jin and Saw was pretty cute. I did yeah. write that down. That's true. It was really cute. So, I mean, if they got the vibe that he was a good person and he would be able to somewhat take care of their child in a satisfactory manner, I mean, albeit he does not. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's kind of plausible. Well, it's not a normal situation. That's true. And exactly. And that's what I told Holly. Like, in this situation, they don't have many people they can trust. Who are you going to give it to, Krennic? Haas. Yes. Are you going to give it to Give it to Haas. Give it. Can give her to Haas. Can you imagine, though, oh, if they would have oh, killed? I love Haas Obit. Yeah. I love yeah. Haas Obit. That's oh my true. Where's Haas yeah. Obit? Where did he go? What happened to him? They probably oh, got beheaded. Justice no, for Haas Obit. Justice for Haas. Well, at the end of the novel, he picks up that that um bartender that he had a thing for for, and then he takes her off the planet well then he probably went and started a family probably on Tatooine or something guys i love how haas just like i mean i think he if they being krennic and tarkin knew how much haas was playing them i mean they would have executed him like crimes against the empire he is a ride or die (laughs) technically then is haas the the star of the rebellion i mean technically i mean 
We need I teamed up. Hostel, but merch. I mean, thanks very much. It probably you know could have at least named you know the alliance after him or something. I don't know. Anyway. I know. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Nettie, did that trouble you at all? I kind of thought that you know they really didn't have many choices at that time, and yeah, if Saul shows up with boar gullet and he's kind of in that crazy state, then you're like, oh, I don't think you're gonna raise our kid crazy, yeah, but I think like that's you know, but maybe you know he was different then. Yeah, see, I don't know if it was um, a concern so much as it surprised me that he wasn't in the novel mall. Yeah, just because. Like Holly said, it kind of, like they'll call him right away in the movie. Yep. So I did kind of assume that they had known him for a while Great or point. so. Great point. And but I mean, at this point too. So I forget exactly the timeline here, but this is probably what like a year or two after Auto sixty six mm-hmm. after the Empire. So I don't think Saw's gone quite as crazy yet. Yeah. Um. So he's probably a lot more stable, and they can mm-hmm. see that. And I do think that the scene with him and Jen was a really good scene to kind of show that connection they have a little yeah. bit to start with. Exactly. Um, that being said, too, like, I do think it it's kind of surprises me that, like, Saw's like, yeah, call me if the Empire shows up and you need help. Because Saw is kind of the, if this is a lost cause, get out. Yep. Kind of guy, like you see that in Fallen Order, like he just leaves Kashyyyk. Yeah, yeah. They're losing the fight. Yeah, yeah. and like Tolfor's like, "Yo, bro, what the, what the fuck?" Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so that kind of surprises me, but again, this is a different Saw too, because I think Fallen Order even is like five years. That yep. that period of time could have been enough that Saw kind of got more cynical. So it's definitely an interesting situation. It's something I think could have been flushed out a little bit more, but I don't think it's anything too horribly problematic necessarily that's true something changed between fallen order and the bad batch with saul because the bad batch shows up to execute him reliable character well he's gone through some stuff but when the bad batch shows up to execute him he just kind of turns he's like deuces like you ain't gonna kill me like i'm out (laughs) i dare you i think is pretty much later on yeah to me i had no clue that happened Oh, jeez. I can't. I literally don't care. Paige knows. I can't keep it. I'm only going to watch the most recent episode, so I don't even care. Oh, jeez. That's You can't hurt me. I'm already dead inside. It's getting pretty good, Paige. You're missing out. Nettie didn't. Is there something there? Yeah, I was just going to touch on something there, and this is more spoilers for Bad Batch. Sorry, Paige. That's okay, Nettie. Let's go. (laughs) I'm already dead inside. You can't hurt me. (laughs) She says. But. Something to keep in mind with that, too, is, you know, they're on, I think they're on Onderon, right? Saul's yeah. homeworld yeah. when they meet. And, you know, Saul lets the Bad Batch go, and then, like, he takes off. But then Crosshair's coming back. Yeah. And he just wiped out, like, all those civilians he was helping. Yeah. I can see if Saul figures that out. Like, A, that's going to destroy his trust because yeah. he's like, if he finds out it was a Bad Batch member, and maybe he thinks it's all the Bad Batch, just they were just in dark armor. And even if he doesn't blame them and, like, that destroys his trust, that's still – that's emotionally damaging. And the man's yeah. already lost his sister and yeah. everything else that he goes through. So I thought that was kind of actually, like, a subtle way to kind of drive more into his character there, too. That's, that's a great, great point. Oh, <laughs> dude. Yeah, what if it's he's, like, he blames the Bad Batch, you know, for that. And it's like, I gave you a chance, and I will never – 
do that again and so forms this kind of partisan hardcore we don't give second chances we put a grenade in your hand and we le- like we don't there's no question like I, poor, poor right? clones well I, yeah they're gonna <laughs> yeah, get a hey, lot of shit here calm down can we talk about the the thing they said about clones in this book where is it Wait, uh, which which thing? The limited shelf life clones. Uh, I was like, yeah, that I, was very nice. Yeah. Well, okay. and Poor but guys. also like at the same time, we know that they want to work on phasing out the clones yeah. and bringing in real people, like actual real soldiers, instead of having these clones. So I feel like. Yeah. I mean, they hate the clones, and then they don't want them around any longer. Makes me sad. Makes me sad. I know. I know. That's just why Paige can't watch the Bad Batch. That she just. I'm only here for one person. Too much trauma for her. I'm I'm only here for one person. Wrecker. (laughs) Omega. 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 (laughs) No, I'm only I'm only here for Rex, Rex, and that's 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 why that's only it. That's it. That's fair. Well, care about Rex. Holly, I, I mean, another successful book, right? Guys, I think so. I think this was a good pick. We're, you know, despite me being a little hesitant yeah. in the beginning, I'm glad that we're reading through these. Um, I really like, I liked reading some of the novelizations of the movies that we've watched, but some yeah. of like the, I don't even know, the prequel yeah. novels to the movies have been very interesting. They have been very good. Uh, I think that's why the old adage is uh, never judge a book by its first five pages. That's a great point. I think that's what it is. And if that's not actually what the old (laughs) adage is, then I guess it's the uh, book club's uh, motto from now on. Well, props to me for using such a sophisticated word as adage. That never really happens (laughs) in the podcast. I'm going to give myself an old pat on the back. I did have an Easter egg, a Clone Wars Easter egg. Oh, wait, yeah, what is it? Good call, yeah, good call. Jory's not here to give us his Easter egg. Holly wouldn't catch it because Holly doesn't watch that, but um, (laughs) they talk about Cham Syndulla. Oh, Oh, yeah, good call. And yeah. then in the audiobook, they use bagpipes for the parade, which makes no sense. But, you know, <laughs> champs and doula and bagpipes. Um, Paige, why don't, you, why don't you elaborate on that one for us folks who haven't finished The Clone Wars? Champs and doula is Hera's dad. Oh, yeah. You, you've already. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you've already. What are you doing? What would you say you're doing? She doesn't recall I'm these I'm backpedaling. Moments. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> he's kind of he's kind of a jerk. He is another yeah, he not is. Great. another parent that is not great. That's kind of something worst. we got to work on. He's in Star not Wars. very nice to Kanan, and I don't like it. What's, anyway, what's going to happen when we actually have good parenting in Star Wars? Is it going to be not interesting? People then? are going like, to say it's boring. Like there's no lesson to learn. And then here. we're going to kill that parent. Well, that's true. and then it won't be as boring anymore because we have some trauma. That's true. You know what, though, you could maybe say that Din's parents were good parents, and then we just killed them in front of him. But we don't and know he's that. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. They Dins saved parents. him. They shoved him in that thingy, and then we killed them in front of him. And he's very well adjusted, and he's fine. Yeah, they may. Is he well adjusted? Though? I was yeah. gonna say, is he? kind of in a cult. True. He's doing a great guy, but he's true. doing the best and the most. <laughs> okay, I'll give you Although, that. Although Nettie, I guess still wearing could... his armor quite literally. Well, I guess you could he argue he's off. breaking away from the cult. True. True. He chose There's, his kiddo there, instead of the cult. It Cutting only ties. took two seasons for some realization to come to wait. 
Maybe they're not great people. We mm. haven't even scratched. It's going to take mm. 10 seasons to get into what these Mandalorian <laughs> people actually mean and stand for. Suddenly so. it's the, well, I guess not the longest running Star Wars show, but. Could very well be. Could be. 10 seasons. How Well, the yeah. Clone Wars was oh. eight. Seven. 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 Yeah. Mm. I haven't finished it. No, you haven't. Phrase it. That last season, Holly. It's great. It's so worth it. It is so worth it. Oh, God. Well, Holly, any inclination? Are we sticking in the time period? Are we fast-forwarding to the future? Are we going to the past? What are we doing next? Do you have any idea? Guys, do you think that we should just finish strong with the Rogue One and read the novelization? I mean, what does the back of the book tell you, Holly? Oh, why don't we go with does the back have? of the Does book? Del Rey li- give us a little bit of, a little bit of, ooh, read the oh, novelization? Yeah. It does. It does. I it have book. the Rogue One book right there. It's really pretty. Um, yeah. Great point. I'm just saying, um, Paige should be happy for once. Uh, also, I'm, Nettie, is that a sick Obi-Wan uh, um, um, I think it's Finn. bookmarker? Oh, yeah. That's Finn. That's Finn. Oh, hey, crap. Yeah. yeah. On the other side. Oh, hey, Love it. Very yeah. sick. It looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi from that angle. I don't know why. I don't see it. it was, I think it yeah. came with that Rise of Resistance book. It I think did. there was like a set of three. That was the best part of that book. Oh, was the snap. Michael I'm kidding. Is hating on I actually did it. What other I, bookmarks I, came with it? Because he'd be a There's a ton. <laughs> there's a ton. Um, Paige spends $25 on three bookmarks. I love yeah. a bookmark. That might be a book love that we that. actually don't get into for a while. I didn't even finish it because I was just like, it was it was alright. It was okay. Oh, it was alright. Yeah, okay. So maybe we won't jump to you that. You might one. like it more than I did. There's some good things in there, but I had some issues with it. Yeah. So are we are we staying okay. in the time period? Holly? So the next book we'll do the Rogue One novelization, and then after that we'll jump to a different time period. Ooh, saucy. And okay. then we'll start mixing it up. But I now like I it. feel invested. Yeah. I mean, I know what happens. Yeah. Everybody's gonna cry. Or is the life. novel different, wait. and they leave us in suspense? Maybe they get picked up. Maybe. Right before the yeah, maybe. I'm so excited. Well, Holly, another successful book club, guys. I have to agree. It was uh, it was epic, guys. I, I love these guys. I love their input because just every time Holly talking about these books adds more insight, different people's perspective. It's I read this thing five years ago, didn't recall half the story, but the juices get to flow and, and all this perspective comes in. Here and it's he just, is. just like reading it all over again. And I freaking love it, which is why guys, we're not just sticking with the new releases. I know a lot of people are doing that. And that's fine, but it's like, there's a lot of books that haven't been discussed in a long time or like like most of our panel here hadn't read any of these. And I think it's good to go back and, mm-hmm. and read some of this older stuff. Yeah. It makes for good conversation. And also, like, the TV shows are taking us back to this timeline exactly. anyway. So exactly. it's, I don't know. Yeah. It just feels very in tune with everything else going on it's right now. It's as if you are, are part of the Lucasfilm development team, Holly, and we're going, you know, in the same timeline as, as Lucasfilm is going. I mean, listen, I wasn't going to tell you guys, but... Well, I did find out that uh, Walton is actually the middle name oh, yeah. of George Lucas. Michael which, didn't know that. So there yeah. could be some relation what? there. So We're not sure. my last name is Walton. Yeah. George Lucas is yep. George Walton Lucas Jr. Yeah. And then as I found out, 
Galen Ursa's dad is Galen Walton Urso. Yeah. So okay. a little Easter well, egg. Maybe get on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Michael said. He said so any relation? I was like, probably. Either to the Waltons that own, you know, Sam's Club and Walmart or, you know, Lucasfilm or something. I don't know. There's some there's some money there and I will find mm-hmm. it. Great grandpa Sam. <laughs> Great grandpa <laughs> Sam and George, just a classic American family. <laughs> um, uh, that is the, the Waltons. Clubs. Yeah. Well, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this. You know, Callus an oldie, but a goodie. One of those kind of newer age kind of um, uh, canon books that came out a, a while back, but still worth going back and reading. James Lucino, always a great storyteller. Um, I've enjoyed most of his work that I've read, but maybe we'll get back to him at some point. He's got another Tarkin book out there that um, I recall being pretty interesting, too. Always down for some good Tarkin. Um, kind of a, an interesting same time period-ish, kind of. Um, but it sounds like we're going to be reading Rogue One next time. So uh, read up. You've got two months uh, to do so. And, and I, I can't thank our panel enough here. They've been fantastic, Nettie, Dugan, and, and Paige. And, and hopefully next time people people are starting to get out of the pandemic phase, Holly. They're actually doing things with their time now. I and know. not just sitting at home. So we've got a lot of our patrons that are invested and, and doing other things. It's like they have lives and, now and kids I and feel friends. personally attacked. I do too. How do you think we feel? I do too, yeah. We, we still don't have a life, but that's why we Whatever, talk about Star fine. Wars. That's we escape to that galaxy far, far away. We've got time. And we love it every time you guys join us. So hopefully you will next time read Rogue One. Holly, any final words, some some wisdom maybe that, you know, was bestowed on us in this discussion? Uh, an adage, so to speak. I don't have an adage. Nothing. That's okay. Sorry, guys. I'm fresh out of adages. She's tapped out of adages, as am I. But, guys, for everyone here, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, we'll stay tuned for our next book club in two months. Get to reading. Uh, stay safe out there. And may the Force be with you. <laughs>